0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Alehorn Podcast. My name is Jason. Today, I'm joined by Micah Nix and Chad Barnwell, my bandmates who helped me record the Skullthor Evenblade album. 2017 seminal release by our band Temptations Wings. Uh, It was recorded by Andy Bishop, uh, artwork by David Paul Seymour, and was released digitally and physically on March 10th, 2017. 8 tracks on the digital version and 9 tracks on the physical version. So, um, Chad, what did you think about this album before we get into the track listing?
1: Uh, That album was a lot of fun for me because it was obviously my first album with you guys. And it was fun because I think you already had a lot of the groundwork laid before I even started jamming with you guys. So I think... I think you kind of had an idea of a lot of the songs already, so um, coming into it, I wasn't really sure what I could add to it, and it ended up being that we, we collaborated quite a bit and moved a lot of stuff around, and um, I think turned it into what it, what it is. We really got a chance to re- go through every song you already had and start from beginning to end. and you know, throughout I with with the exception of maybe one song. I think you guys had one song completely written that I didn't really do anything with. Which was Wolfbear. Which which I think we called uh Wolf Bear in the studio.
2: Wolf Bear, yeah, we called it Wolf Bear.
1: Wolf Bear in the studio. Um but I think every other song was, was the first time we actually you know, wrote music together, so it was um that was a great album. Just for that for me, for that reason, because you know we got to hear that collaboration between the three of us almost that, the whole thing uh into the Maelstrom was one we had also that's right, that was the other one I, because you guys had jammed that one live, it was you know front to back structure and everything it was it was done it was like we didn't have to work on that one that much, um and the baseline was already was already written as well, so. That was a good tune, though. I liked it live before we recorded it, and it
2: came out well on the recording as well. Yeah, like a a lot of what Chad said, we had the groundwork laid down, and then uh, kind of the basics had a lot of riffs collected and some structures in mind. And Chad came in, and your bass playing on that, it was new to you, but you laid down a lot of original ideas that that, uh, we couldn't have really dreamed up until that time. I remember going into the studio uh, a lot of it, well, not a lot of it, but those two songs, or mainly Ulfbert, was kind of Chad playing on the fly, and that turned out really well, especially that long middle part where I do that that kind of long, drawn-out solo. And then, you know, seeing the story take shape, seeing especially the new stuff we had worked on, you know, going into the studio, seeing it all come together was, was really cool. Definitely, Andy. Andy was a big help in that as well with Draft Studio. It was. You know, we had
1: worked with Andy a few times. I think you guys had worked with him quite a bit, and this was probably my second time working with him and just that experience as well, and him kind of helping me learn how to play bass through the album, you know, because was, I, was, I was hoping I was a good bass player, and I was, I was kind of leaning on Andy to help me know when I was doing right or wrong, and he, he really helped guide me through that as well.
2: Yeah, definitely Andy lended some good direction. Uh, in some parts that that we had questions about, for sure.
1: Absolutely. Jason, what are your thoughts on the album?
0: I look back with a critical eye, but overall, they're really favorable. There's some drum stuff I wish I could have done better and some drum stuff I know I can do better. But overall, uh, I'm pretty favorable about it. I listen to it a few times a year still. I'm still really happy with the artwork when we got uh, David lined up and what he delivered on the final product. I wish we had more time to play songs off it during our sets since they're always like 40 to 45 minutes long or less. It's a good feeling when people get excited when we play uh, "Layer of the Gorgon Queen. Witches of Dreadmore is another one I get pretty excited about playing because it's so long but uh, I think that song is probably one of our best songs in our catalog period. But my only regret about the album is I wish it wasn't so long so we wouldn't have to get a double album pressed to put it on vinyl. That artwork is made for it.
2: Yeah, if it had been, you know, like six minutes shorter and we could have put it on one vinyl, but there were some temp- tempo things that I feel like we could have done better to make it a little more comfortable for you on drums. But that was all part of the learning experience. But, anyways, somebody told me just i think yesterday that they love that album from start to finish so definitely i feel like we've got something to be proud of of that still and uh, i actually listened to it the other day f- with fresh ears for the first time in probably a year and i was like man you know this is this is still pretty solid
1: yeah yeah i did the same thing actually not long ago um i know I, I didn't listen to the actual cd i listened to it on um spotify you know, and that's the. I think that's the way you have to listen to your own music. It's really because when you listen to it right after you record it, there's so many mixed emotions going on. You know, you've just now pretty much dug into every song for the last six months and driven yourself crazy over it to the point of perfection. Then you've recorded it and you've like you're you're like, is it good? Is it not good? And then you, you know, we're happy with it. We've listened to it 500 different ways, and then you listen to it right when it comes out, and it's like, okay, it's okay. Would you uh, kind of let it breathe a little bit and step away from it and come back and listen to it a year later? Then it's you know then you can really be proud of it because you can like you're not you're not so involved with it. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. And uh, that's that was I listened to it not long ago, about about two months ago. I was really like this is a good album. You know, it was really cool. I wish we had put the acoustic track on digital because I really enjoyed recording that with the way we recorded that with Jason's, uh Jason, was that your uncle's guitar? We recorded that song. on. Uh, yeah, it was. That was your uncle. And I had a Taylor at the time I had recorded one track on and I had recorded a second track with your uncle's guitar. And we had kept the same strings on the guitar. I, I didn't want to change those strings out. I thought that was like, we couldn't do it. And they were old, but we were, we were going to make it work with the strings that were, that were on it. I don't know the history of those strings, but you know, I had this like maybe he played those strings. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, Andy somehow made it work. He like it was it was out of pitch and everything, and he was able to tune everything sharp to match exactly like it needed to be. And it's 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 kind of really cool and eerie to hear that track now, the way it came out and the way he was able to make those notes work on an acoustic and and take that you know out of tune guitar make it sound perfectly in tune with everything was really cool
2: yeah that's something i wanted to touch on too is is it kind of gives it like a chorus effect uh almost like with that one being slightly out of tune and, and just so everybody knows like that that was all chad you know even him being the bass player at the time that song was all chad and uh and it's awesome i love it
0: yeah i think that was the last song we recorded
2: yeah, I
1: think I think it was. I, I, I can't remember if you guys were there or not for all of it or part of it, but I know, I think I did it in two parts. I think I had had my guitar one day, then I had that guitar another day, or, or maybe they were both there, I can't remember, but it was cool. It was a lot of fun.
0: All right, let's get into the track listing here. So the first song is the burning of Halgamar. I think that's how you say it. I'm not really sure, even though I should be. If I remember correctly this coming together I think it was a Chad bass yeah, riff and I just put some drums to it and I think we all thought it sounded pretty cool and then the guitar was added kind of minimally and then uh yeah just kind of uh stuck
2: Yeah it was uh actually yeah Chad did those volume swells and uh you like kind of you know did the drum thing kind of the <coughs> you did that and then I if I'm remembering right, I came up with a lot of that guitar stuff almost on the spot, like I had an idea of what I was going for, but uh that was like one take uh here I go I go for it and uh it, and it turned out cool it sets the stage for the the whole album,
0: yeah, I thought so too. I was pretty uh, happy with it when we got done I thought it was pretty awesome,
2: yeah definitely cool and and we've come out uh we've come out on stage to it a lot, and it's definitely a cool way to to start the set, and uh that kind of goes through you know Thor is returning home from his conquests elsewhere, and he comes home to find his village burning, and he sees at the corner of the village uh this witch with red eyes, and he vows revenge on her basically
1: yeah you guys you guys had the story mapped out that that was all done that was you know I'm not much of a lyricist or storyteller, so I was. I was kinda just sitting in the corner listening to the story of the whole thing and I'm like, okay, how can I put music to this? (laughs) (laughs) That's like, okay, we got this guy, he's going, he's he's uh this village is burnt, he's gonna go through and uh he's gonna kill a bunch of people, put songs to that. I'm like, Okay, I
2: got it. (laughs) All
0: right, the next song was one of the last ones that we wrote. We called it I Destroyer. It's a very thrashy, and then I think seamlessly it gets very doomy. So we get to keep it in that uh, doom uh, uh, realm with the thrashy intro. I still get a little giddy when I hear this song start up. Even though looking back, I'm not too thrilled with my uh, vocals toward the end where I'm supposed to be uh, the giant. It comes off as a little cheesy now to me, so I prefer to listen to the live version. But other than that, I think the song's fucking killer. I love the last riffs in the song. They're so fun to play with the double bass. And it seems to get uh, heads moving, which is always a good thing. Uh, what's your thoughts on this one, Chad?
1: Yeah, that that's a good song to throw in really about anywhere. It's that's, that's, that's one of my favorite songs in our catalog. Because it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a little more upbeat. And you guys probably know me more. I like more upbeat songs. Than not not that I don't like the other ones, but you know, for me I'm like I'm always looking for the the faster paced ones and that one really gets your blood going pretty good. I I love the intro in into that one and how that one sounds live and, and all the riffs were a lot of fun and you know I d I didn't think anything was on the album was really cheesy or anything. I thought there were there were some cool things on that song. There's one thing I still try to duplicate live that Micah did that I don't know what he does at the end of the song it's like some weird little I, I i say it's a guitar lick but you guys said it was something else i don't know it's like it's like a mystery person <laughs> on the album but during the last uh riff before the song ends what was that line you're singing there at the end micah
2: oh i i seek the aisle i seek black steel
1: yeah it's, it's during that it's during that lyric and there's something going on there that uh I tried to duplicate it live on my guitar, but it's really cool. Like, like I said, I don't know what it was you guys did, but when I heard
2: it, I was like, "Whoa, this is cool." I think that I think that part you're talking about might actually be some of Jason's vocals. Like he he did some backing vocals on that, and they were really low. I'm I'm not even sure he could do that again, but uh, I, I think that's what you're talking about. Is it? It almost sounds like an instrument, but I think it's his vocals.
0: Yes,
1: it was me. Yeah, that, you guys you guys had said that and it was cool because it actually ended up being a guitar part so (laughs) now that we have two guitar players it's you know I try to play it
2: on the guitar but I I thought it was so cool yeah it's almost like one of those like Tony Iommi slash Jerry Cantrell bends where it's like and it gives it this weird harmony and it 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 totally works yeah
0: it's pretty sweet I'd like to say for the record that singing that low really hurts I guess it's like equivalent of uh, gargling razor blades or something like that.
2: (laughs) So I guess a little bit about what that song's about is uh, this is after Skulthor has uh, seen his village burn. He's basically talking about, you know, what happened and then uh, he embarks on his quest and then he he has to go up on a mountain and confront this giant who has this arcane knowledge of this... uh, this island with a master blacksmith on it. Skolthor knows he's going to need like a special weapon to kill this witch. And this giant happens to know about it. So, uh, the, that song is about him confronting Vruto the giant.
0: Ah, yes. Vruto was his name. I was having a hard time remembering.
2: Yeah. Good, good Vruto. And, uh, he basically like, uh, he smashes Vruto's knee. And then, and then Vruto's like, basically is like, fine, you know, if you want to go and get yourself killed and, you know, basically risk everything that you love, then fine. I'll tell you where it's at.
0: Let me just add that our first shirt artwork for the album was based on this song, uh, by David Paul Seymour. And I think it's our highest selling shirt so far. And for those of you not to know, it is the yellow logo shirt. And we have them for sale on our merch stand and online at our band camp.
2: Yeah, some more awesome David Paul Seymour art. Indeed. Yes, go
0: buy it. I actually just interviewed him yesterday. I need to edit the podcast and get it posted on the Patreon, but I'll send you a uh, copy of it before I get it up there.
1: He's a talented individual. I like all the work. Now, he did work with uh, Burial as well.
0: Is that correct? Yes, that's correct.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, let's move on to the next track, Into the Maelstrom. This is track three on the album. This is the oldest song that we had written before you joined. We probably played this for about four to five years before we even recorded it. Absolutely. It kind of changed subject matter to fit into the story of the album, but I don't think we changed it too much. It's basically a slower uh, thrash tune all the way through. There's a lot of double bass in it. Um, it was written as a three-piece, so there's really no uh, harmonies in it. Pretty much just a straightforward metal song. Nothing fancy, but uh, it gets heads moving.
1: Yeah, I always dug the bass line on that before I joined the band. I thought that was a really cool intro and bass line.
2: Yeah, that one's uh, yeah pretty straightforward. Uh, starts off kind of thrashy, almost... Uh, a little bit like the sword with some uh, grand mega style vocals on it. And then it goes into kind of the the doomier section. And yeah, uh, we had that song for a while and the lyrics are pretty similar to what I'd been singing for years. But uh, once we kind of were forming this story together, we kind of shaped it to Skullthor and basically it tells of uh, Skullthor is on his way to the aisle to get his, his, uh, sword made by the master blacksmith and he comes across poseidon like poseidon himself is basically trying to stop Skullthor, so Skullthor, like uh basically just he, he beats poseidon into submission with his hammer cuts his head off you know basically says you know fuck you i'm going to the isle come hell or high water it doesn't matter who's gonna stop
0: me well you know the old saying go big or go home at least that's what we say quite a way to send a
2: message (laughs) yeah it is and it's it also kind of lends power to the witch too because you know basically skulthor as he is right now can can kill you know poseidon who is a god of the sea but he's still mortal you know so basically tells you how powerful this witch is that skulthor still needs a weapon so that he can slay her
1: I'll tell you guys now. I was really hopeful for a comic book of this uh, album to come out, and I know that it was it was in the grassroots when we spoke about it, but we, we never made it happen. Which is nobody's fault. It was uh, it was it was a tough thing to get done. But
2: yeah,
1: I thought it would have been a really cool thing to happen. Definitely
2: tough to get done, and and it's basically you know it's not that there's lack of story and lack of ideas. It's just that would cost a whole lot of money.
0: Yeah, I don't really know anybody in that uh, field anyway, Um, but I meet new people all the time, so you never know. But on a side note, I'm still working on the short story, or short novel, if you want to call it. It's a real pain in the ass. I am stuck on the chapter, uh, Witches of Dreadmore." It's kind of intimidating me. It's such a big chapter, I just want to make sure I get it right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Maybe one day, you never know. But yeah, that was that's one of the few songs, I don't think we've played that one very many times as a four-piece. Maybe I'm wrong,
0: but I'll... Uh, I don't think we've ever played it as a four-piece because we didn't make any guitar harmonies for you.
1: Yeah, we kind of left it alone as the as three-piece, so we'll see if that one ever surfaces again live. Um, I like it, but we'll see it you know it's it's a great part of that album yeah
2: you know uh a lot of people really love that song and I, it, it gets mentioned when people you know talk to me about the album on facebook so that might be one we need to revive one of these days
0: absolutely when
1: we get into the jam space eventually this will be one of our top priorities
0: okay moving on so the next track would be track four song is called to forge a legend parentheses Ulf That's the gang vocal uh, line. I would say that this track is probably the most experimental on the album, uh, just for the sheer fact that Chad pretty much improvised the whole bass line in the song and doesn't really remember what he did, so is therefore stuck on the album as is for all time. (laughs) This is a pretty old song, too, that we had as a three-piece before you joined up, Chad. And I'll just say, I think you made it a lot better.
2: <laughs>
0: but I really dig it, man. I think all the uh, parts you did are killer. And uh, I think it just added a whole layer to the song that was missing. I think you really elevated it from a filler song to a highlight on this album. Yeah, that
1: was that was one of the few songs that I, I came... And you guys have to correct me if I'm wrong, because my memory's not as good as it used to be and, Seems like it was a hundred years ago that we recorded it and it wasn't that long ago. I seem to remember there was just a lot already done on that song. Am I right on that? You guys had a lot of that one already done.
2: Yeah, that one was pretty much laid out.
1: And there were maybe a few parts we added before we went to record, but there was just I remember there was a lot of parts and I was just trying to like I said, be a bass player but also try to add some melody to it as well and ended up being that a lot of it got done in the in the recording studio. A lot of stuff that had never happened before. And I just remembered hoping it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was a long recording session. It was like, spent a lot of time on that song. And it was like, you know, if we would jam something and it'd be like, all right, let me try this. and I'd do that. And that'd be cool. And I'd do that. Luckily, I think I still have Andy's um, original email of the bass isolation track. And if we ever play that one live again, that's what I'm going to have to reference to know what I did. (laughs) It's
2: it's all there. Right. Yep. Like Jason said, that was one that we'd had for a while before we started recording it. And uh, as the Skullthor story came to shape, I remember sitting down like, man, how, how do I piece this together? You know, how, how do I, how do I fit this into the story arc that we want? And those lyrics came to me like in like 15 minutes. I sat down and I just banged it out. And, uh, and still, that, that's one of my favorite uh, songs still on the album, even though we haven't really played it. Actually, maybe we played it at the CD release show, but uh, the, the middle part we're talking about where Ch- Chad uh, improvised a solo, or the, the bass under the solo, it almost came out being like, I'm doing a solo, and then Chad is also doing a solo on the bass along with it, but he's also holding down the rhythm. so I, I thought that turned out really cool. Then there's the the Ebo part that uh, you know basically it, it's it tells a story too, because Skelthor has sailed east to meet this blacksmith, and the blacksmith is basically an Asian dude named Wubo. so that Ebo solo that I did. After the uh, main solo, it, it almost sounds like a uh, like an Eastern piece of music because of all the octaves that that Ebo pulled out of my guitar, and that almost tells a little bit of the story about Wubo itself there, I thought, you know, if if I could be arrogant for a minute. <laughs> that <was awesome. laughs> That's deep. That's deep, man. That's, wow. That's deep.
0: <laughs> what the fuck were you smoking during that time, dude? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, that was awesome. Uh, there, and you've you you've got a knack for a lot of that music. You've been sending me Arabic riffs this week and I'm like, where'd that come from? You know, and I've got like five emails and a few different tracks and I'm like, Man, this guy's going to the far reaches of the world for these cool riffs. We're, so
2: we're
0: going biblical. <laughs>
1: End
0: times call
1: for it. That's right.
0: Okay, moving on to track five, which I think is everyone's favorite. Uh it's called Layer of the Gorgon Queen. I think it has an awesome uh traditional metal feel to it, while still maintaining its doom feel to it.
1: That was a really fun song to write and uh somebody said this to us, I think, at The Grey Eagle when we were sound checking, and it was one of the sound check guys, and he's like, Dude, that song is awesome. He's like, It reminds me of Dawkins. Oh hell yeah. And that was like, that was like the best compliment. I was like, yes,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know Chad was like, oh hell yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, I didn't realize that the closest, you know, to Dockin that he was talking about, but you know, we were we were. Uh, it's not not the exact riff. It's similar to a riff from Dockin, but obviously it's our own. I can't remember the name of the song or whatever, but but yeah, it's just got that kind of a feel to it. And that was that was a cool thing for somebody to say.
2: Yeah, wasn't that the guy that uh, he, he got there early and he ended up buying a shirt and a CD just because he heard a sound check with that song? So, the, yeah, that was that was totally awesome. Yeah,
1: that was it. That was it. That was, a, you know, just one of those songs. That I think that song kind of, in, you know, at the time, you have to remember, I thought I was going to be your bass player for the long haul. So, <laughs> right that kind of that song encompassed kind of like I was trying to put my foot down on like what kind of music I wanted to make as a bass player. You know what I mean? It was like, this is kind of like the footprint or whatever. And um, it was fun to write because it was, uh, it had the bass melody. It had the guitar melody. It was all there. And I think from there, everything else that we wrote after that kind of had the same feel. You know, we had a really strong, there was bass, but there was some melody involved in the bass. and We weren't, we weren't restricting the bass just to be in a, um, a bass guitar playing the low notes. You know, we were really trying to cover a lot of ground since we were a three piece at the time. And I thought that was the best way to do that with three piece was, you know, have your bass doing a lot of melody stuff while your guitar is doing stuff and try trying to basically do my best impersonation of Geezer Butler as I could.
2: Oh yeah. And uh, you th- like, in the studio, we pulled off a lot of harmonies with just my guitar and your bass. And the way we're able to do it now, uh, being a four-piece, if Ryan can hold down the low end, and then me and you do those harmonies that were originally on bass, but now they're on guitar. It comes across really cool still. But yeah, like what you're saying about bass playing the melodies and uh, harmonies and stuff like that, that was definitely one that was really awesome to see take shape. Um, I think one of the songs not related to this album, but uh, so Sabbath with Dio
1: uh, their song Children of the Sea and you have to listen to the live version Um, there's there's a particular live version out there that when they go into the bass like the bass melody that's carrying the guitar solo, there's this perfect harmony that happens and that was kind of my inspiration going into that the whole album, really. Like you, I, could, I could contribute how I approach bass based on that one song and that one bass melody going on with that guitar solo. And uh, check it out if you haven't heard it. It's the live version. But you know, it really showed me that, hey, you can have one bass player and one guitar player, but you can still have these amazing harmonies that are very heard on an album.
2: Yeah, you were approaching that kind of like Geezer and also a little bit like Dave Ellison in that too.
1: Yeah, trying to trying to get the, nail down that sick rhythm, but also, you know, make sure that if there's an opportunity to not stray away too far, you can hear all those harmonies. Jason's probably getting yeah, bored so, now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so the the story about that one is uh, Skullthor has his sword. He's got his black steel sword, his Ulfbert sword that Wubo made him. Uh, so he, he needs a little extra coin to, uh, basically finance his trip back to find the witch. So he comes across this king in the, the kingdom of the blind raven. And this dude offers him some money to go slay this gorgon queen that's, that's basically killed a lot of his guys. So that's what Skulthor is up to. And then he, uh, he goes in and basically loses a lot of his, you know, folks that are with him he This is kind of Skull uh descent into vengeance consuming him basically like he basically sacrifices his men to get what he needs to go slay this witch and to get the power that he needs because he he realizes that he uh can also use the gorgon's powers to turn people to stone. He can use that to his advantage basically this is his kind of descent into the the dark side, so to speak. Nice.
0: This is better sounding Star Wars than a new trilogy.
2: (laughs) It kind (laughs) of is.
0: Alright, let me bore you guys with my boring shit.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, let's get your take on it.
0: So the drums on this song are pretty fun to play. They're easy, but I keep busy while I play them, which is fun. I really like where the double bass... Ended up in the song, not overused, but when used, really pushes the song home. I think it gives that urgency, like something bad is going down or is going to happen in this song to Skull Thor. I also really like the uh, Halloween uh, stage prop we made with the uh, glowing eyes. And uh, keeping it under wraps with the black oh, yeah. blanket until the uh, bass solo part. Micah, do you remember the name of the uh, Gorgon?
2: Yes, yes I do. Uh, her name is
0: Crosstied. Ah, good memory. That is correct. So anyway, getting back to the original thought, this is probably my favorite song on the album overall. I wish we would have had the foresight to add a guitar harmony on the solo. I think the way we play it live now is so killer, but the live version definitely makes up for what it's lacking, since that is uh, the four-piece version from now on. I mean, for so long, our mantra was record it as you play it and i guess we were always destined to be a three-piece in our minds so that's how we did it
2: yeah we can we can spice it up now and a lot of people that's their favorite off the album too and uh actually when we don't play it people are disappointed so (laughs) that's one of those ones that we'll probably always play live
1: yeah yeah, I've heard that a few times when we, don't, when we decide not to do it, you know, because we play it all the time. So we're like, eh, we'll, we'll hold it off this time. And it's like, why don't you play that? Like, oh, well, we didn't want to.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> to have a song like that for a band our size is a pretty cool thing, I think. I mean, it's almost like the equivalent of a hit when people actually, you know, pay good money to see you yeah. or something. No, it
2: is. Yeah, that's actually a pretty cool compliment.
0: Okay, so next up is Solitude, the acoustic track only available on the CD. Uh, we talked about that at the beginning of this, so we won't spend any more time on that one. So let's skip over to the next song, Treachery of the Blind Raven. Uh, by far my favorite song title on the album. I remember starting to write this one Roger right after Chad joined the band. Like all songs, you really don't know what to expect when you record something, but... um. I was really happy with the way, the way this one turned out. Uh, I thought it's really catchy, almost uh, poppy, I guess you could say, for us. It's very uh, traditional metal for us, too. Uh, the vocal harmony definitely uh, seeps in. And it's uh, pretty short, so it's easy to fit into a set list.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorites now because I really, as much, it, it, it's actually one of the few songs that, I like it a lot on Skull Thor, but I'm really happy of how it turned out when we became a four-piece. So I really like the album version, but what it turned into with another guitar after we went into that phase was also really cool, which I think people can hear on our live album.
2: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: Um, that we put out. I think we put, you know, we put that live album out just so you could hear those songs with a guitar on it. The mix is okay on that, but you can kind of get an idea on that album what it turned into and uh, it was a lot of fun to play both as a three piece and as a, as a four piece, especially that middle part.
2: Yeah. Yeah. uh, A good, uh, good story I've got about that middle part is uh, Chad came up with that fast little run that we do in the middle and uh, it's tough. It's tough. I'm not lying. And I remember sitting there in the studio, like, and I, I psyched myself out about it. You know, I made it r- harder than it was. And I was sitting there, you know, that was one of those Andy moments where he's like, dude, dude, just settle down and play it right. Like, <laughs> you can play it. Just quit screwing it up. <laughs> and I, I actually, uh, uh, when I got it recorded, you know, got it nailed, uh, I, I posted it on Facebook. I was like, yeah, Chad's writing these uh these impossible riffs to record and i remember your mom uh commenting on it chad's mom and she's like hey you know something something along the lines of hey that's my boy (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's funny Uh, that might be the only facebook post i think that she's put on my page which is funny but uh (laughs) yeah that one's every time every time we talk about playing that one live it's like uh we better dust off the cobwebs for that middle section because it was uh both parts were tough. The bass line has some like stupid slide to pull it off to make it sound right. Oh, yeah. I'm like trying to teach Ryan, and I'm like, never mind. Just <laughs> We'll just do it on guitar.
2: Just go with the drums.
1: <laughs> yeah, just play the drums.
2: So the story about that one is uh, Skolthor goes back after killing the Gorgon Queen, and he's got the head, and he presents it to the King of the Blind Raven. Uh, you know, the kingdom of the blind raven is the kingdom. And he presents it to the king and the king says, great, you know, give me the head. And then he turns to his guards and he says, kill these bastards, you know, and Skolthor's, Skolthor's already, you know, kind of turning to the dark side. Skolthor says, mark these words, you treacherous bastard. Only your head will be seized this day. I'll cut through a legion of your finest men just to see you pay. And uh, so the rest of the song after that is kind of uh, about this battle that ensues with Skullthor basically cutting down this dude's men and going and cornering him in his chambers, you know, basically taking the head back from him and killing him. And he 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 kind of journeys farther into the dark side there, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, that was uh, that was a fun one to write. The whole thing was. Was, was awesome and
1: words and lyrics and every, every part of it came together really well.
0: Yeah, I agree. I never skip over that one when it comes on. It's always an enjoyable listen. Get you pumped.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. There's some, there's some cool bass stuff in there and cool guitars and uh, the lyrics are fun to sing. And Ryan uh, has actually added another dimension to that song live that we didn't get to do. He basically expanded on Chad's idea really add some good uh, rhythm to that song. Chad has this really cool kind of almost harmonized riff to what I do in the solo uh, that he plays live. So that one is awesome on the album, but awesome in a different way live.
1: Absolutely. We'll play it in 2021. People will know.
2: <laughs> yeah, Somet- <laughs> sometime we will play
0: it. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, Chad. 2021 isn't that far away (laughs) all right so next up on the album is the longest song on the album which is of dreadmore it clocks in around 10 minutes we have been playing this one before you joined chad but if i remember correctly i think we changed a pretty big part at the end before we went in to record it this one has a lot of ups and downs, uh, tempo changes in the song. Uh, I think you can define it as a true epic by the definition of the word. And I just overuse slang word thrown around, like nowadays. I think Micah's vocals on this song are probably among the best he's done, even to this day. The melodies on the vocals are so awesome on it. And uh, when we get to play it live, it's like a real treat because it's so long. Yeah. Just gives me a real workout on drums, too. It's almost like a cardio exercise. I mean, there's no denying that I know I've played it after we're done. And hopefully it translates over to the audience that this is the real deal and not just some studio magic. I mean, 10 minutes on any instrument is a pretty good stretch without a break, but drums in particular, you just can't stop. Otherwise, the flow of the song is done. And it's also very noticeable, especially to a live crowd. What's your thoughts on this one, Chad?
1: This song was probably one of my most favorite songs in the writing process. And this is going to sound bad when it first comes out of my mouth. So let me finish my statement. But when I first heard the whole song, I was like, that was a lot of song. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, it was like, man, like, there's a lot of cool stuff, but it's a lot. It's a lot. And yeah. I'm always thinking of like, and not everybody's right but I'm always thinking of like okay if I'm listening to this song and I'm not writing it at what point am I going to be like okay I don't want to hear this song anymore you know what I mean like for length purposes and um, it ended up being my favorite song that we ended up writing together because of how it turned out like I felt like every part at the end of it really worked out for the length of it and it it came together and, and I ended up enjoying every part of the song and liking the whole thing. I was worried when we first, when I first started writing on it, that I was going to be too boring. You know, I was like, I was like, Oh man, I got to, my bass is going to be too boring, blah, blah, blah. And it ended up when we were done with that whole thing, like, I don't know, something magic happened and every part of it was awesome. And, and I really enjoyed the song.
2: Yeah, that was one of those things where you uh, sat down with your bass and you actually added like this this complete new dimension that we didn't have uh, up to that point. That was one of those ones that Andy coached you on quite a bit, even though you you had it mapped out. Uh, Andy basically went through each harmony of your like, I guess you want to call it embellishing the uh, the clean riff that we start off with yeah yeah and, uh, you guys you guys basically just deconstructed that whole thing and built it back from the ground up it it turned into just this epic it's it's probably still my favorite song that we have recorded up to this point
1: yeah i love the end how the end worked out it's just you you really feel like that song is a is a full story and it, you know, the story ends with the last riff in the song, and it just, it, it just comes together
2: beautifully. So, definitely one of my favorites we've done. And that, that's one of those that we had been playing a little while before uh, the whole Skullthor thing came together. And I sat down with the lyrics. Uh, I did this one in Ulfbeard at the same time, and uh, man, I was just if I can be arrogant again, you know, I was just in the zone that day and I sat down and I was like, I don't want this lyrically to be a repeat thing. I don't want to repeat the same chorus. I don't want to repeat the same verse. I just want to tell the entire story, you know, different with each verse and chorus. And I sat down, man, and I just, I banged that thing out (laughs) and, uh, and uh, it, it's something I'm, I'm still very proud of. Probably my high point as a lyricist and a vocalist uh, up, up to this point. Yeah, it was hearing the vocals. I always like hearing your vocals
1: on the finished product because a lot of times when we jam, you know, it's so loud in the jam room. So like I can hear the ideas, but I hear the final product when we record. That one was
2: awesome. So the the story behind that one is uh, Skolthor... He's gone through all this shit, and he's he's basically lost himself in pursuit of vengeance. And uh, he finally goes into the forest where this witch lives, and he he comes across this black mass of witches. They're basically summoning a poison fog to uh, stifle Skolthor and and what loyal guys that he has with with him still. They they struggle through that. They struggle through this fog. They come out of the fog. Then Skulthor's, what's left of his band of soldiers is basically wiped out by the fire of the witch. Then he confronts her. She summons up some vines to kind of bind him. And he's he's able to strike through, you know, kind of break himself free. She, being as strong as she is, she shatters his black blade that he had made. And all he has left is his war hammer and the gorgon head.
0: Can't say enough, man. This song is so damn good. All right, so let's move on to the last song called My Name Was Skullthor, or as the working title is in the band, uh, Old Man. So anyway, um, so yeah, this song turned out to be a pretty damn awesome closing track. Uh, Almost, I guess you can call it a ballad of sorts. Probably our first one ever. I remember this being a bass riff you were messing around with, Chad, that for some reason just uh, struck a chord with me and uh, glad we kept working on it. I remember when Micah first hit those open chords that just decay on their own. I knew the song would probably be something pretty special.
1: I think uh, old uh, Old Man Logan had just come out. Is that true?
2: I think it had. It was around that same time.
1: Yeah, this for me personally, this ended up being my my favorite song on the album. It had a lot of elements of music that I liked, and I I'd always always wanted to be a part of a song that had a like a lead bass line carrying the song, and um, obviously so the intent was there to write a song like that, and the way it ended up working out with I remember I can remember when Micahs first wrote that first guitar riff. That we went into for the chorus, and it was it was awesome to be a part of that. Like it was like there was there was the bass line, it was done. We had uh, really cool lyrics. He was doing those great chords, filling in the lyrics. And um, when you wrote that guitar line for the chorus, and it ended up being that perfect that harmony you could hear with the guitar and the bass. Yeah. And that, it'll it'll probably. Be one of the top songs i've uh, that I'm proud of as far as writing it, but i love love playing that song live because of that harmony and the uh and the chorus
2: yeah that was uh that was one I, I remember you came up with that bass line, and I was like, oh man, here we go, you know here here's yeah it's it's solid, you hold on to the bass line, and I'm just basically strumming open chords. And then the verse hits. I quit playing guitar, and I'm I'm singing in this lower register, which I hadn't really done at all up until that point. Just uh, one of those things that, as, as a musician, as you're playing it, uh, you 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 almost you, you get some chills as a musician, and you really hope that translates over to the listener. That that powerful feeling that you get from this song. I I, I love that bass line. I love this song. Uh, It really sums up uh, musically as well as lyrically what had happened in the story. And, uh, man, we just bring it on home toward the end, you know. And uh, that solo that I did over another one of your awesome bass lines, this really harmonized chordal bass line, uh, that little solo I did right there, you know, if I can be arrogant again, it, it gives me chills to play that live. Man, just just a a fun song to record and play.
1: Yeah, I'm glad I passed that uh, that last bass line on to Ryan because uh, that was a bitch to play live. So <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just like, hey, play it right, Ryan. You you play that part. Thanks.
2: That's you, that's your baby now.
1: <laughs> no, it, it it was it was um, it was a lot of fun to write. Just the whole the whole theme and the feel of that one's really good. I want to say. Because we talk about guitars so much, I think my probably my most favorite part of that song is at the end, where the chorus has been kind of this slow chorus throughout the song. Jason kind of picks up the drum beat there at the end of it, and it just uh, it takes it to another level. It was, yeah,
2: it's really cool. Yeah, Jason picks up the pace at the end, and and man, it, yeah, it it really drives it home.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty fun song to play. We should probably include it in the set more. All this new stuff we're writing, though, man, it's hard to go back and play the old stuff. But I mean, in regards to this song, like, I've never written a concept album before. But I think this last song really sums the album up and really, you know, sends it home to where it's a complete story from start to finish. You know, nothing's really vague. It's just kind of laid out for you on what's going on and how it ends. Yeah, that's, that's
2: basically it. Hopefully this song starts. Uh, Skulthor is, he's exhausted, he's injured, he's laying on his back, you know, the witch has broken his sword, he's sacrificed even his own moral code to get to this point, and he's basically laying on his back, and he's like, man, I'm, I'm beaten, you know, my whole, my whole quest was for nothing, because I'm beaten, his horse is dead, all he's got left is his hammer, he happens to see the, the gorgon head poking out of his pack, on his horse and he snatches up the Gorgon head and points its eyes toward the witch. And uh, she turns the stone and he, he grabs his hammer and basically just smashes her. And then he, he kind of falls back over onto his back. You know, he looks up at the sky and he sees his father and his father's father, basically beckoning him to the afterlife. And, you know in that moment he is almost redeemed not quite redeemed because he did some pretty dastardly stuff to get to where he was but in that moment he's almost redeemed because he's finally avenged his village and uh he looks up he sees his father and his father's fathers and they're basically looking uh, down upon him in approval you know like you done good boy and then that's that's when the uh jason picks up the pace on the drums and then that that just furthers the story on to the finish and it's like all right here we go this is the tale of skull thor my name was skull boom end of story
0: <laughs> that's a wrap when you're heading to valhalla you always pick up the pace a little bit on drums
1: <laughs> that was it. that was the whole album was it was it was a pleasure it was fun writing writing it it's um you know to keep saying it because we're in our quarantines right now, but i I can't wait to uh, you know get this next chapter out on tape because it's um I think it's it's
2: it's a lot of fun and we're in a good place right now, and
1: can't wait to get it out to everybody to hear it
2: yeah we're in a good place as you know uh quarantine aside, we're in a good place as a band, we're cohesively writing the best stuff that we've ever written. It's definitely where we springboarded off of Skull Thor, and one thing that's important to say about Skull Thor is we we wrote that album for ourselves. It ended up being that a lot of people really liked it. That that's a, a definite cool feeling, something that I hope to relive when we release this new album. Man, just just a great time. It was a labor of love, and there was a, a lot of doubt in there at times, in our abilities as we're recording this thing you know but we dissected it all we broke it down we uh we sat there we practiced it and uh it came out great there are some things that you can tell that well that we can tell are like a learning experience for us in the studio that probably doesn't come across the listener but we can we can look back on that and be like man we we really grew while we were in the studio on this one And uh, I think that's going to translate well into our next release. And I think it translated well into Mirkwood and Dimensions. Uh, We went into those recording sessions uh, more experienced and just a little more driven, you know, knowing what we were capable of and just uh, a a good springboard to, to jump off into this next chapter.
1: Absolutely. We're probably going to have some quarantine songs on this new one now too because I uh, I can't seem to stop writing guitar riffs. So,
2: I know we we've got this huge riff bank that we're building up and it's like, "Oh man, you know, we've uh maybe we can translate some of it into this next album, but you know, uh, if not, then we're already way ahead on our next album. Just keep snowballing, man.
1: Do like a single up. <laughs> probably put like a new single out per month put the album out then a new single per month just keep releasing all
0: right guys let's start wrapping it up do you remember any reviews that's for the album that stood out for you in particular
1: uh yeah I, I, i do actually you guys jason i think uh sent me a lot of those reviews like as they happened and i was really blown away by it a lot of positive feedback on it and at that point I can't I don't think I had ever been reviewed for an album so it was one of those things where I was like uh oh what am I about to read right now but, <laughs> right. Uh, but I think my favorite one didn't we have a review in uh, what magazine was that in was it Decibel magazine Oh, it was Decibel yeah and I was like man we made Decibel you know it was funny I brought, the, I brought it in to the wife like hey we got a review in Decibel and she's like what the heck's Decibel and I'm like <laughs> what uh, the fuck is Decibel <laughs> It's a huge music magazine.
2: <laughs> no big deal, babe, but <laughs> it's kinda cool. My biggest takeaway from the reviews is this this is how we met Patrick, uh, big Pat Whitaker. Uh basically this is how we uh he had heard us before, but this was how we got on his radar and uh meeting Patrick and Patrick is he in our corner, so to speak. You know, he's he's uh dropped our name in some pretty big, uh, things that we've been able to do. And also that decibel magazine, I remember, uh, I remember it said something along the lines of these guys. It it said, I finally completed my grand magus album collection and these guys have basically, you know, heard all the grand magus tunes and it, it translates to that. And, uh, that That was big for me, because me and Jason, we love Grand Magus, and that's a huge influence on this album and also it, my vocals. Uh, I try to I try to emulate him in in the leads that I play sometimes and to see not only that in decibel, but also him saying, "You know, these guys have obviously studied their Grand Magus." That was cool. And there's, there's also one I remember it's on our band camp page where it says, these guys remind me of a more adventurous Grand Magus and, you know, just, just people that I've happened to talk to that we've run into. They say, man, I really like that Skull Thor album, you know, and that's just, it, it's, it's really cool to get that pat on the back from people.
1: Absolutely. It sounds like we need to tour with Grand Magus. Uh, Grand Magus. One day. <laughs> <So> if anyone's <laughs> listening, yeah. Uh,
2: no. No,
0: no one's
1: touring right now, unfortunately. <laughs>
0: yeah. My favorite one was from the Angry Metal guy who said that listening to the album made it a pleasure waiting for chicken tenders at the Walmart deli. <laughs> I got a kick out of that one, but there were so many. I can't remember them all, but they're all cataloged on our like Facebook page down toward the bottom. But, uh,. How many people taking the time to listen to something you make and give it mostly favorable reviews was you know pretty awe inspiring to me anyway I mean they weren't all you know fives and tens there was a one that was predominantly black metal based reviews that you know were like these guys suck nothing special stuff like that so yeah so um any parting words from you guys about the uh Skullthor experience.
1: Um, yeah, all in all, album was, was awesome. Uh, like I said, it was my, my first taste of writing with you guys and I thought it was a great success. Um, you know, I really enjoyed, really enjoyed playing the bass on it. And, um, obviously I kind of turned that over to Ryan now who, uh, we'll have to find him, the elusive Ryan Fox. We'll have to get him on one of these, uh, podcasts here
2: the so we elusive. can hear.
1: <laughs> hear him hear him speak a little bit but uh definitely learned a lot writing that album as far as uh songwriting goes and as far as recording and uh, it's you know really carried into what we're doing now and i'm really excited for the future i mean I'm, i can't say it enough really excited for the future of what um is going to be coming out here when we can release it and uh hope it can happen sometime sometime soonish
2: soonish yeah soonish is the key word and uh just, yeah, I'll, I'll go, uh, I'll go ditto on everything Chad just said there and man, just, uh, just looking forward to the future. And I really hope that, I really hope that people enjoy what we're doing now as much as they enjoyed Skull Thor. That, that would mean the world.
1: Hey, hey amen to that. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for, uh, thanks for getting with us on this. It was fun to talk about. Hope I'll see you guys soon.
2: Yeah, hopefully soon, man. It's good to talk, and you know, it's it's good to do basically what we can do in quarantine times. And yeah, man, I Kicks really a little bit of the sanity. Yeah, yeah. I, r- I really hope to be able to actually see you guys and hang out in person here soon.
1: I know. I uh, I don't know if you caught it on Instagram. I was trying to I was trying to win a uh, Matt Heafy guitar, so I did a uh, trivia thing uh, on yeah, Instagram this it. week. And, um, I was, I was bummed because I don't have my, I have my 5150 here, but I don't have a cab. So I've got like potential to have this awesome tone and I don't have it. So I was playing it through my cell phone and I was just like, you know, it was fun to play, but I was just like, man, I can't wait to just turn it up to 11 and just Just play as loud as I can for five
2: minutes. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be loud as shit when we finally get back together. (laughs) We'll be leaving there deaf. (laughs)
0: what
1: mm. <laughs> absolutely
0: hey we been catching up with you guys you guys be good be safe
2: alright man we'll see you later take it easy bye
0: see you guys later and uh one more note for the audience um there is a mini documentary shot with cell phones on our youtube channel which is uh temptations wings band if you want to see some behind the scenes making of of uh andy uh getting on us about our skill level and how we could be better. So check that out and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. So thanks for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Alehorn Podcast. For more of this podcast and other podcasts in the Alehorn Podcast Network, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com the alehorn. Subscriptions start at a dollar, and each tier gets you greater perks, such as exclusive Patreon-only podcasts, free song downloads, merch discounts, and more. Until next time, stay heavy.